Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast here on the Teardown Feed. My name is Jeff Gluck, and each week I ask a different race car driver the same 12 questions and see what kind of answers we get. Up this week, it is defending Xfinity Series champion Austin Sindrick of Team Penske, recently announced to be taking over the number two car after Brad Kozlowski departs for Penske at the end of the season and goes to Roush Fenway Racing. Uh, Austin Sindrick will be stepping into that car, but he's also been dabbling in some cup races this season, including the upcoming race this weekend at the Brickyard on the road course there. So it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, in both the races this weekend, both Xfinity and Cup. But uh, interesting guy, very intelligent, obviously, and also has a good sense of humor. I've enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better over the last couple of years. And so let's go into our interview on this week's 12 Questions podcast. All right, everybody, I'm here with Austin Sindrick. And Austin, the first question is, uh, when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are, do you ever lie about what you do for a living? I not I don't lie. I just don't tell the whole truth. I mean, okay. it depends on the context. Like, if I'm at a racetrack, obviously, like, I'm, I'm a driver. But, like, otherwise, I just say I work on a race team, work in NASCAR. Um, I don't feel like – I don't have any shame in what I do by any means, but I don't think it's uh, – I don't advertise or, or brag necessarily because I get to do something pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, which current driver have you known for the longest NASCAR driver or just any driver? You know, I've been asking most people like their series, but I feel like you've been around racing for so long that I, I was wondering if there's maybe someone you met when you were a kid or something that's still racing and like, you've just known them your whole life kind of thing. Yeah, I've known Elio Castroneves my my whole life. So I would say race car driver or Elio Castroneves, someone I race against, it'd either be Chase Briscoe or Tyler Reddick. Um, but my my relationship with Elio is pretty fun. We I actually did uh, Joseph Newgarden's uh, ping pong tournament in in Nashville, and Elio and I actually got pitted up against each other. And so it was me, Renis VK, and I versus uh, Jack Harvey and Elio. And the game did not get any further than two points apart. Oh, and, wow. I mean, we, we gathered a crowd because it was pretty much just a yelling match between me and Elio the whole time. <laughs> and uh, so it was pretty fun. So I, I, I really enjoy my relationship with Elio and, and him winning his fourth this year was, was really special. That's really cool. I love that. And you were there for it, right? I was there. I was like watching from the top of the pagoda and everything. Like I, I could not have been yelling any louder. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, can you describe what it feels like to crash in a race car? Ooh. Um, for me, there's never been like much of a feeling or anticipation. Like the worst is the, like when you have time to think about what's happening. Um, cause past that, it usually happens quite quickly. Um, uh, but afterwards, like Daytona this year, hundred percent, my worst wreck of my career, forget about the fire. Like, um, from everything that I understand, I definitely won the, the G meter for the weekend at Daytona. So um, you know, it's, it's the after effect of, you know, okay, what's happened. Can I drive the car away? Like it's total recovery. Like you're, you're trying to understand, you know, what else can you do? And then you go over and like, try and put the car in gear and you realize your transmission's three foot to the right. Like, oh. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm done for the day. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely not the best feeling in the world. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes you've made lately that you're particularly proud of? 
Uh, well, I bought a house and I live in the house now. So that's been a pretty big lifestyle change from living above my parents' garage. So <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing. I moved in. I don't know what date it would have been the week, uh, leading up to Pocono. Cause we had like a long week since we ran on Sunday. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've moved out and lived by myself and I moved pretty close to the race shop. I mean, I've lived in Mooresville my whole life, most of my life. And uh, I moved even closer to the race shop in Mooresville. So um, I get to sleep in now 10 minutes longer, uh, which is nice. And uh, having a new house is, for me, it's like having a giant bedroom because I, mean, I don't have any roommates or anything. And it's a one-story house. So it's like I'm just close to my fridge now when I have to get a drink in the night. Uh, are you unpacked? I'm pretty unpacked. Like I don't have any of my furniture. I, I would say I've got about half of the furniture that, that, I, that I've ordered. Like I ordered my couch in May. And I won't have it in November. Whoa. So cow. I mean, it's, I, I've got an old couch and I've got a lawn chair in my living room and an 85 inch TV. So I've <laughs> pretty much, I've got everything I need really. And I've got, I went all out on my foods to like my cooking stuff. Cause I actually like cooking quite a bit. My mom's a really good cook. So like my brother and I learned from her, really enjoyed that. I've spent enough time on my own that like, I feel like I know how to cook quite well. So like I bought all my cooking stuff and all my TVs and then the furniture I just got once I moved in. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what makes you laugh during a race? What makes me laugh during a race? Um, sometimes it's lap cars, not to be mean, but sometimes you see some pretty funny stuff. Um, but otherwise, uh, I try and make myself laugh, uh, every once in a while. I, I, I would say I'm fairly serious. I'm not like, like Tyler Reddick, he and he and his crew, like they, they are jokes the whole time. And it's mostly because Tyler can't take himself seriously. But um, <laughs> I would say I'm definitely not at that level. I'm not on the Chris Rice level either, but uh, I, I do like having fun. Okay. Uh, what is a quality or skill you envy in other drivers? It's probably got to be a popular answer. The guys that can run two inches away from the wall and be comfortable with it. That's something like coming in racing NASCAR, racing stock cars. That's something I have zero experience doing. Like that was the biggest, you know, if there's one skill set that I lacked bringing my going into a NASCAR career, that's something I had zero perspective on how to do. Like my, my racing line is usually dictated by, okay, this is where I want my apex to be. This is how I can get there versus this is the radius of the corner. You have to do your best with it. And that's a completely different mindset for me. So, so the guys that, that had that and knew about that and, you know, know how to approach that, like for me, mentally, I have to approach it much differently. Um, and I've gotten a lot better in that area in some ways, you know, some weekends it's a strength for me. Um, but, uh, you know, to the, those that it comes easily to, yeah, I'm definitely envious. Okay. Interesting. So this is a wild card question. I'm mixing it up for each guy. Um, two years ago on the 12 questions, I asked everybody if they were an iPhone guy or an Android guy. And I think you were the only person out of all the drivers to say you're an Android guy. So I wanted to check back in on that. Have you been able to pull anyone on your side? I see you still have an Android there. Um, any progress on, on converting the masses to uh, the Android life? Look, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anyone you know, what they're doing is wrong. I feel like your phone is like one of the most intimate things you can have. So like <laughs> if it works for you, it works for you. Like that's, that's the biggest thing for me is like whenever whenever I, you know, either I'm on my phone and somebody goes, Oh, what kind of phone is that? Or, you know, it tries to convince me that I'm wrong or like expects me to convince them that they're wrong. Like it's totally your own choice. Like I use it because it's, it's right for what I have. But if you have a Mac and you like how iPhones work, then 
so be it. But I do like things that you can geek out on on the Android phones, and I don't really have any ties to any Apple products. So uh, for me, it made the most sense. That's really interesting, though, because I feel like, I mean, I'm an, I'm an iPhone person. I feel like iPhone people a lot are really trying to, like, convert more people. And the Android people are like, hey, I'm, we're happy with what we have. We're, we don't need to sell you on it. They're definitely great. They're afraid. My, my, <laughs> my opinion is I, Apple people have been afraid to learn. If, if there's anything that's, that's, a, that's a different, and I'm going to take a stance, is that they're afraid to learn something new. And there are those that have gone back and forth. And that's probably those people that just like, it's better for them. But I would say from a majority standpoint, it's, oh, that's, you're different. So you're weird. <laughs> um, Austin, this has become a remote work world. Obviously you just moved to a house, so you're not going to leave. But if you were allowed to relocate to a different state than where the shop is, uh, where would you like to live? That is a great question. Um, not something I've really thought about. I, I feel like I couldn't just pick one place. I really like North Carolina because it's it's home because, I mean, but you also like you're two hours away from the mountains, two hours away from the beach. You got an airport that can take you anywhere in the world. Like it feels like home. So I've always, I, I feel like I've always wanted to live in North Carolina, but I do like being outdoors. Um, I spent some time in Colorado. So I think it'd be cool to live out there um, just because you have, you have access to a lot of those, those different things. Um, I'm not, I'm not a city guy, so I'm like, I'm not going to want to live. Like I can't, I can't be that close. I, I don't like people enough to live that close to other people. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I, I've told you more of what I don't want than what I would want, but yeah, maybe somewhere in the mountains. Okay. Um, what is an embarrassing mistake you've made on the track that you're comfortable sharing with us now? Uh, I can take you to my first lap on a racetrack. I feel like I've told this story a few times, but uh, so Ken Reagan, David Reagan's father, um, for a long time ran 600 racing, U.S. Legends cars, Bandolero's Legends cars, you know, kind of the guy that promoted that stuff. And when I started getting into racing, um, went to the summer shootout, saw a bunch of kids doing what I wanted to do. And so that started with me for my birthday. I got a test in Bandolero out in the fifth mile at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And so I got in Corey Gordon's Bandolero, sat in the car, and Ken Reagan's telling me what to do you know, pointing his flag and there's pictures of this. And he's like, oh yeah, don't forget when you go out on the racetrack, turn left, like as a joke. Well, we're sitting on the staging area. And if you imagine overhead of the racetrack, the staging area is on the entrance of turn three. So to get onto the racetrack, you would naturally need to turn right onto the racetrack and start making laps. Well, I pulled forward and hung a left and started <laughs> making laps backwards on the racetrack. <laughs> and uh, so those were my first laps on the racetrack backwards and wrong. Um, so it's embarrassing and definitely funny. Um, but I, I can't, I can't think of anything too recent that's, that's as good of a story as that. Otherwise it's just screw ups. Hey, you know, if you're going to have an embarrassing mistake, might as well be early instead of something recent, right? That's right. Um, if someone were to hand you an envelope and inside of this envelope was the date of your final career victory, would you want to open it? Um, that's a, that's a tough question. I don't, I don't give myself enough credit. I don't think to think that I'm going to have a long fruitful career. I'm still a young driver and still very skeptical of the world, but um, I, I, uh, I probably wouldn't want to know just because I, I feel like that takes out the excitement of every race, because I feel like every time you win a race, you should celebrate it as though it was your last victory and you don't know when the next one's going to be, especially, especially as I, you know, my Xfinity career is, you know, starting to come to a close and I'm going to be racing on Sundays and where it's incredibly challenging to win. And, you know, if at all, so 
uh, I, I definitely approached that. And there were some times last year, I will admit that like, you know, Daytona road course, for example, you know, we had, we had just won four out of five races and I was so upset with, you know, you know, how the race went, how the car drove, you know, my decisions throughout the race. Like I wasn't happy with myself enough to like even celebrate winning the race. Hmm. And then I was mad at myself for not being happy. <laughs> so yeah. like, I, I never, I never want to experience that again. And I feel like I learned a lot about myself and I, I talked with, you know, my crew chief, Brian Wilson, who's obviously done a lot of races with the cup drivers and they expect to win. And, you know, they've, he's already gone through that challenge with, with, in, in his head and, you know, not being happy about winning races. Like, who are you? Like, who, who, who are you to like, even not be happy about winning races? And um, so for me, I think that was a, that was a good personal lesson. So to answer your question, no, I wouldn't want to know because I like the thrill of winning because it's the uncertainty of our sport is, you know, you never know when your last one's going to be. Yeah. Okay. Austin, have you achieved your childhood dream? I guess I have. Um, I think it's hard to, hard to say that I haven't, you know, my, my childhood dream was to be a race car driver. And you know, here I sit, you know, I get paid to drive race cars and, um, I'm doing it for one of the best. And, you know, I've got, you know, the, the cool thing about getting to drive the two car next year is I can remember back when Brad Kozlowski had dinner at our house and he and I sat in our basement and just played the NASCAR video game for an hour and a half. <laughs> like to tell that kid that you were going to drive what I would define as Brad's race car. You know, obviously Brad's leaving our team going on to bigger and better things, but you know, I've still got a picture in my, in my parents' house, you know, on my bed of, you know, Brad winning Bristol with a big burnout and it's signed by Brad. Like to me, that's hard to put myself in, in, and give myself that perspective. Even, even now, obviously circumstances have worked out the way they have. Obviously I was going to drive the 21 car. I'll be in the two car, but you know, it, it's crazy how the world works and I'm just, fortunate to, to live that. And, you know, for me, it's, it's about making the most of it. So yes, I've, I've gotten there and now it's, you know, what do I do with that dream? Okay. So, um, each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. And the last one I did was with, uh, Alex Pillow from IndyCar. And honestly, the reason I wanted to do, uh, you this week is because his question made me think, wow, like awesome. Be the perfect person to answer this. I don't really know the answer to this. So his question was, would this driver be open to come and race an Indy car? And what does he think the uh, biggest challenge would be for him to, to be part of it? Absolutely. I mean, my, my career has been about trying to drive as many different things as possible. And uh, I enjoy doing that. And there's a part of me that has missed doing some of that the last couple of years, obviously 33 races on the schedule. There's not much time to do anything else you know, for, for this year. The other races I've pursued outside of my NASCAR uh, commitments is, is now Petit Le Mans because they had to move Petit Le Mans because of the date. Uh, change for Le Mans and then the Daytona 24. And that's kind of it for me. So answer to Alex's question. Yes, I would love to do it. Um, I feel like I need to get really good at my day job to bring up that question to the boss. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, what the differences are in drivers, you know, I've, I've gotten to see a lot of drivers. I've gotten to see people do different things and even myself do different things. And I feel like what makes a good NASCAR driver is completely different than what makes a good either whether it's you know prototype or or IndyCar or or that that side of the world like I feel like those are those are sharpshooters they're they're fine precision and can they do that every single time in a row whereas I feel like a NASCAR driver I know it's kind of funny but like they're more of like hunters I haven't done much hunting but like I imagine hunting you have to you know know the conditions you know very intimately you have to know how the conditions are going to change how to predict them you know where to find certain spots you know, I feel like 
that's more the dirt racing mentality. And that's something that I didn't really experience growing up. Um, but I feel like that's where the, the two key differences are. And, and, and NASCAR meets somewhere in the middle, probably not right in the middle of, you know, that hunting to sharpshooting. But if I'm going to use the, the using a gun analogy, um, that's that's where I feel like my mentality has had to change racing in NASCAR. It, it, it's as simple as like the importance of qualifying in IndyCar or road racing, like your life is qualifying. If you can't qualify, you will not be successful. Whereas in NASCAR, like if I have a fast car, I'll be fine. Like mm-hmm. Chase Elliott starts at the back. He'll be fine. Even on a road course, like starts at the back, he'll be fine. Like you're not even worried about it. Like, right. That's where I feel like some of that qualifying drama is a bit lost because it's not as necessary because cars and conditions change so drastically. Hmm. That's a great answer. That's really fascinating. Yeah. That's give me a lot to think about there actually. Yeah. Um, so the next interview, uh, likely is going to be from the sprint car world. Going to try to talk to somebody at, at Knoxville. Uh, do you have a question I might be able to ask someone from the dirt side? Yeah. My question would be if you were going to help a young driver establish their career, like, like I'm talking like 10 years old, would you let them drive on pavement? Hmm. That's really, would you, would you have them develop, you know, some skills on pavement as well? Or would you strictly stay to dirt racing for a while? Like as a young kid, cause I, I have, I've had the chance to go to a couple quarter midget races. I got to commentate a go-kart race, um, you know, over the, over the two week break. And like, I've totally, I don't want my kid to race whenever I have a kid, whenever <laughs> I start a family, like, Oh my God, that would be awful. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my dad, my mom probably thought the same thing. And here we are, but I've always thought about, you know, what, what would I do in that situation? You know, if I had unlimited opportunities to do things, you know, if someone from a dirt racing background, would you let that kid go out and race pavement? Would you have them go do that because you think it's useful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time and uh, the great answers today. Yep. No worries, Jeff. All right, everybody, there you have it. Austin Sindrick enjoyed that one and uh, has an interesting perspective. Like I said earlier, very intelligent guy, um, definitely a thinker. And I think that obviously shows in his racing as well and his approach to everything he does. So appreciate him coming on and appreciate his time. If you would like to subscribe to The Athletic, I know they have a deal running right now. And depending on when you hear this, it it varies uh, on what percent off you can get on the website. But uh, you can access that directly by going to theathletic.com slash 12 questions. That's 12 as in one, two. And you should see the latest deal there. It should prompt you if you're not a subscriber already. Hope you are uh, because I think we have some really good stuff coming on there, including the early versions of these interviews every week. If you'd like to read that uh, there or listen to it a couple days early, our subscribers get the first crack at it on Wednesdays as opposed to Fridays or Saturdays when this comes out on the regular feed. Anyway, I appreciate you for listening and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.